Let's pray. God, thank you for today. I'm so excited about what I sense you want to do here today. And I don't even know what you want to do. I don't know the specific things you're going to do in people's hearts. I know you've given me a word, and I pray that you help me deliver it without distraction. And that will be a compliment to what Holy Spirit wants to say to this congregation. Every individual to hear exactly what the Spirit is saying to them. Help us to walk out of here changed people and walk out of here changing people by the power of the gospel and the presence of Jesus in our lives, impacting their lives. I speak blessing over this house. I thank you for their investments in the kingdom, not only to Echo, but other ministries and missionaries and all that you're doing through them and for them. I give you glory and praise for what you're going to do in our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about being carriers of the prophetic. Now, don't be afraid of that because I'm not talking about going around, thus saith the Lord, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not talking about that. There's a place and a time for that. But I want to talk to you about being a carrier of the prophetic. Do you ever wonder what is going to happen around the corner? What's next? Did you ever think, what's December 31, 2022 look like? How about January 1, 23? You ever think ahead like that? Are you, you know, there's a tabloid out years ago that said, I had, for inquiring minds. Well, I'm not into the tabloid thing, but I have an inquiring mind. And matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. That word breath means divine intellect. I'm praying and believing that God will give us understanding and intellect and intelligence today. I'm not calling us illiterate or ignorant. Well, we're ignorant. If you don't know, it's not a bad word. You just, you just don't know. But I'm asking God to help us to become an intelligent people prophetically. That we, we know things in here and from him that has not been put out on the newscast yet. That God will speak to us and that God will speak through us. And we pour our lives into the little brewers that come our way. Our children, grandchildren, all of those that we have the privilege of, of influencing. So I want wisdom. I want knowledge. I want to be a knower. Jesus said, John, he said, you shall know the truth. There we go. And the truth will make you free. Watch this, these statements from the book of Proverbs. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. How many could use some pleasantness, pleasantness in your, your, your life? Knowledge will bring it. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through true knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. Knowledge is power. It gives you a leg up, if you will. You're not saying you're better than anybody, but we just need to be the people that folks come to for information. We ought to be like, hey, I don't know what this is about. I'm going to go to John, or I'm going to go to Sally, or I'm going to go to Fred. I'm going to go because they know they're plugged into somebody or something. But we got to get out of yesterday's drama, my friends, and move into our future because this generation has a calling upon it. And when I say this generation, I'm not talking about 20 to 40s, 40 to 60, 60 plus. I'm saying all of us have a calling on us in this season and era that we live in. We have a call on our lives, and that is to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Look at it. From the New Living Translation. Write my answer. Everybody's got their opinions. But they're not worth much. 
God's got a true statement. He said, write my answer on tablets. Make it plain so that a runner can carry the correct message. Everybody say correct message. That he may carry the correct message to others. So we have, a, we have an understanding that we're carriers of the message of God. There's an amazing story in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. It's a story about two men that are fighting for the, the throne. David is the king, and his son Absalom was trying to usurp his father's throne. And David said to his army, led by Joab, he says, Make sure you don't let any harm come to my son Absalom. Don't let anything bad happen to Absalom. Well, they're out and about with battle. Absalom, by the way, he was an arrogant one. He was, he was, he was malicious. He was a manipulator, a deceiver. He was arrogant. He was dishonorable, and he was dumb. He just, kids have gone out so I can just say he was dumb. He was stupid. Absalom was a no-count guy. Yet, in 2 Samuel 14, that they says that they heralded him as the most handsome in all of Israel. He had this long, flowing hair, you know. And he was always dealing with his hair. He cut it once a year. It weighed five pounds. It was his glory. And he had the glib tongue. He could articulate. He would sit at the city gates and say, If I was king, this is the way I would do stuff. I'd help you out of that bind you're in. And he manipulated the people, and it's a lot like our politicians today. You have charisma, and you have good looks, and you got some of that going for you. It doesn't matter what your character is. Okay, I'm meddling. Let me move on. He cut his hair once a year, weighed five pounds. Well, he's, he, and, 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 and then he's in battle, and he's riding a mule. And he must have been texting or something because he's got his hair stuck in the limbs of a tree. And the mule just kept going. And so he's dangling there just by his hair. That's what happens to narcissists. Chew on that a little bit. When you, when you make everything about you, it'll hang you. He's hanging there and one of the soldiers for Joab came and said, Joab, I saw this crazy thing, funny, not funny. He, he said, Joab's hanging in his, with, by his hair in a tree. And he said, well, did you kill him? He said, no, no. David said, don't harm the boy. And he said, the Bible says he took three spears, thrust them through his heart. And then he assigned ten men, finished the job. They killed him, put him in a ravine, covered him with rocks. Now somebody has to go tell daddy what happened. And he sends a guy without a name. They just call him a Cushite. He sends the Cushite with the message. He knew the exact verbiage to give to the king. Well, there's another guy named Ahimaaz. Ahimaaz says, Joab, let me run. He said, no, I've already sent a Cushite. You rest this one out. Just, just take this one off. Let me run, he says. You've seen me run, Joab. I'm a good runner. Yes, you're a good runner, but not today. Joab was trying to save Ahimaaz the embarrassment of being the bearer of bad news. Why? Because Ahimaaz was actually a runner. There was a guy named Ahithophel who sat in on the war room strategy of Absalom and he would tell Jonathan or Ahimaaz, this is what I learned in the strategy room, go tell King David. Oft times Ahimaaz, when he ran, he always gave good news to David and this time it wasn't good news and Joab didn't want him. I think he was trying to spare him. Just because somebody won't let you do what you want to do doesn't mean they're mad at you or being mean. They might be trying to save you from embarrassment. They might be saving you for something better. 
So he, he, says, he says, Joab, let me run. You, you know I can run. He said, I've already sent the runner. He said, no, just let me run. Okay, run, go, go, get out of my hair. And he runs. And the Bible says he took a shortcut and he beat the Cushite. But now I can see David looking over the balcony. He said, there's two puffs of dust out there. Who is this? They peered and they looked. And one of them said, oh, that's that guy in the front. That's a Ahimaaz. David says, oh, it's a great day in the kingdom. Ahimaaz always brings me good news. Besides, he's our PK, the preacher's kid. He's the son of Zadok, our priest. And this is going to be, man, this is a great day in the kingdom. They're high-fiving each other. This is wonderful. Ahimaaz shows up. He's breathless. He's got bruises and blood running down his leg because he's run into thorns and rocks and stuff. And he finally catches his breath. And David says, what's the news? What's the news? And he says, just a minute. And he says, King, everybody that sought to do you harm, we took care of them. Your enemies are defeated. You're safe. David said, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. But what about Absalom? And he said, Absalom, I, I, I don't know. I just saw a confusion. King James calls it a tumult. I just saw a, a confusion. I, I, I don't know. And the Bible says, David said, stand aside. And he actually did what I think Joab, personally. I have an Ed Huey version, EHV. And I kind of think that Joab was doing that to try to keep Ahimaaz from being embarrassed. I don't know is not good enough, friends. As members of the body of Christ, as people who have 66 books with 1,189 chapters and 32,000 words in it, we, we better do better than we're doing. We need to do better than we're doing. We can't walk around in IDK. That's one of the Facebook things. IDK means I don't know. You see that? I used to ask my kids. I said, what, is I, what does IDK mean? <laughs> I don't know. And then I thought, oh, that's stupid. I should have known that. But I didn't. You know? And that's kind of the way we are. I don't know. We can't live in I don't know. God even said to one of his prophets, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. Jesus himself said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. We can't live in IDK. We can't afford to live there. I want to know some stuff before it happens. How about you? I appreciate all that excitement that you shared with me. Him I said we won. Well, we need a boatload of wins. Hey, man, we could use some wins. But we need the truth about the good, the bad, and the, fill in the blank for me, the ugly. Now the bad news for David was Absalom's dead. But he needed to know the whole story, the bad and the ugly, so he could lead the kingdom forward at that point. Now the strategy changes, and he needed to know the bad and the ugly. We can't just live in everything's wonderful in la-la land somewhere. we got to have the entire story so that when people come to us, we don't find out what we know from Facebook or the evening news. We know because we've met with Jesus, and God has downloaded something into us, divine intellect and understanding and knowledge and the gift of discernment, all of those things go into play. God says, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message. I didn't come to bear bad news. There's plenty of it. I believe something good's about to happen. I really believe that. I'll qualify that a little bit in a moment. But in Acts 27, we need the truth about 
well, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. We need the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Paul said in Acts 27, guys, I got good news, I got bad news. The bad news is we're going to wreck. This ship is going to have a gaping hole. It's going to run aground. And while we all understand the church is not perfect, and we've run aground, there's a major denomination under scrutiny right now, if you've watched any of the news, for them ignoring some horrific things in the past, apparently. We've run aground. But Paul said, if all 276 of us will stay in this boat, even though it's got a hole in the bottom, you'll be saved. And sure enough, they were able to get to shore. They went to Malta. And the story goes on. And they went on to their journey at a later point. So, so we've run aground. There's some bad things that have happened. But I truly, honestly, with all my heart, believe we're coming out of this thing in victory. The end of time as we know it is on the horizon. This is not the end of time, but the end times. We're living right in the midst of the end times. I don't think personally, who I may get in trouble for this. Cut the camera for a moment. I don't think Jesus is coming today. And we'll tell you why in just a minute. Because there's some other things have to happen. I qualify that. Just hold on. Don't, don't judge me. Don't look mean at me like that. Smile. It's going to be all right. Hang on. I was in prayer. And I said, Lord, all right, let me qualify. You're wondering. I don't think he's coming today for this reason. This is the EHV again. I know this didn't, doesn't happen, but Jesus is sitting on the edge of his seat. He's rapture ready. He's ready to come get the bride. He's anxious to have this closed up and have a marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? He's leaning on the front of his seat. Can I go now, Father? And he said, no. There's seven and a half billion on the planet. I give breath to them every day. But out of that seven and a half billion, five billion don't know you, son. And I'm not willing that any of them perish. I know they're scallywags. I know they're reprobates. I get all of that, but I'm not willing that they perish. So just sit down in, in your seat a little while because the day will come. It's soon. But just hold steady. That's why I don't believe Jesus is coming today. And he could prove me wrong. And I would say, hallelujah. Thank you. You've answered my prayer. Because I prayed with John. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When you hear stuff, see stuff, know stuff, it's dear God, have mercy. If, we, if you don't come help us, it's, it's going to get worse. But I believe he's going to come help us. And it's going to get better. And he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. A holy church. And I think we have some room to work on there by the Spirit of God. Right? sanctifying us and getting us into that realm of <clears throat> intimacy. It's a great time for a great awakening. So I'm asking God, Lord, where's the true prophetic voices? Where are those that Joel talked about? They dream dreams, they see visions. Where's that? Where's reality? Where is this? I hear a lot of people saying positive words about the future and I love it yes it's going to get better I embrace that I prayed it the other day God I pray the prophets that I'm hearing are speaking the truth I say amen to it bring a mighty revival change the landscape of this nation and this world then I hear other prophets that are going gloom despair and agony on me go ahead and say it oh <laughs> you watched hee-haw too didn't you I want to be able to hear what God's saying. 
One man said, the prophet's on the front row crying. The people are having a party. Why are you crying? He says, I see the future. And you can flip the same. People are crying. The prophet's laughing. Why? I see the future. We, we may not, any of us, be one of the five-fold prophets, but we can see into the future by this word. If we know the timelines and the seasons, there's some things that can encourage us. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm convinced that God will put a download of understanding about tomorrow in our spirit if we're just listening. You don't have to be a five-fold prophet to hear from God and to prophesy. I want to be like the Old Testament prophets. They knew things before they happened. There's some things I want to know. Because some things slipped up on me. And if I'm right, some things slipped up on all of us. There was an agenda, there still is an agenda, to divide this nation. And with all due respect to the victims and those that have been politicized, I, I didn't see CRT coming. I didn't see the division of races and all of the anger and the vitriol that the enemy has stirred and the division it's created. It's caused heartache in the heart of the Father and it's grieved and it's hampered us being a united country. Amen. I didn't know, not being ugly, I didn't know there were 57 genders. I knew about Heinz 57, but I didn't know about that one. They're saying... Oh, man, do I even say this? They, some teachers are being punished because they don't provide a litter box for their children who think they're a kitten and they need to. Okay, you, you guys, you got it. Some stuff slipped up on us. I want to know today, whatever's coming tomorrow, whatever I can bear, Lord, would you reveal that to me? I captured this quote. I don't know who gave it, but it's powerful. First, we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil. And then we persecute those who still call it evil. Have we not done a full circle on that right here in this nation? We need God's word, God's wisdom, and God's whisper. I want to know that I know that I know. Not based on another brother's opinion. Not the winds of change. I want to know what the Father is saying to me by the Spirit. In 1 Kings chapter 20, there's a phrase in the ESV that says, The sons of the prophets. We know that Elijah had at least 40 uh, students in his ministry school. Because 40 of them, was it 40 or 42 of them that the, the bears came out and and shredded them up pretty bad when they were making fun of Elisha being a bald head. Yeah, that's what happens to you. You make fun of people that are bald. Yeah. So he had several dozen students in his Bible school. Those guys were game changers to their culture. Rivers were parted. Dead were raised. Revivals were birthed. Incredible, miraculous things happened through and with this school of the prophets. You wouldn't find them on the front row singing Kumbaya. They're not going to be in a Sunday school class teaching the people. They're not going to be equipping the saints. Not these guys. Now there's nothing wrong with singing, worshiping, teaching, equipping. That's all right. It has its place. But we cannot isolate the prophetic inside these four walls. We've got to take Jesus out there. And I don't mean start telling people what their future is unless God speaks to you to do so. But I'm talking about being carriers of the prophetic. That we're advancing the purposes in the kingdom of God and we're moving things forward for the glory of God. 
Equipping the saints is important. But shaping the culture is equally, if not more so, important. We need to equip the believers, but we've got to change this culture. It's changed by the word of the Lord and the spirit of God through us. Here's the truth. We are them. No, it's not the charismatic group. All the prophecies going on. No, it's not them. It's us. It's us. Let's don't lay this off on any other church or group or denomination or organization. This is us. We have to own this region and, and area that we live. Wherever you live, you've got to be the one that carries the prophetic into their world. Our morality as a nation is unbelievable. Why? Because today's prophets and pre today's fivefold gifts are not impacting the culture like it needs to be. The moral decay of our world is happening right under our watch. And we need to get woke. And I don't mean politically get woke. We need to wake up. I'm not angry at you. I'm just passionate about this. Do you all know I'm not angry? Just show me your pearly whites. Yeah. Okay. We've got to get ahead of the things that are coming our way. God said in the book of Amos 3, 7, God does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. We need to get in line and see what he wants to do. What will you trust me with? Reveal that to me. Elijah was the prophetic voice of God to Israel, and they thought that Baal was the God of the rain clouds. They were deceived with that. And Elijah decided, all right, I'm tired of this. I'm going to make God known again. I'm going to show them God's God. He said, I'm the prophetic voice for God to the nation of Israel. And here, I hereby declare it is not going to rain until I say. Now, you won't find in Scripture God telling him to do that. It was the passion of this prophet who says, I'm going to make God known again. And by, I'm going to do it by saying, you think Baal's a rain cloud God? No, Jehovah is the rain cloud God. So it's not raining until I say. Now. Israel had believed God was the reigning, Baal was God of the rain cloud. And, and it reminds me, there's a lot of believers, quote unquote, that believe a lie. A good friend of mine, a ministry friend, was sitting amongst six, seven, eight millennials. He said, I was there to learn. He's in his late 70s. I was just there to learn. And he said, I listened to find out where they're coming from. What, it's a, generations think different than some of us, hey? And he says, I just wanted to learn. He said, till they came to this thing about gay marriage. And they have friends that love each other and they're married and they think it's okay. And he says, you know, I couldn't be quiet. He said, I opened my Bible and I showed them three or four passages that what God says about homosexuality. And they said, you know, Pastor, we, we just don't believe we can go there. That's where we are today. That's what we're dealing with. We need... Somebody to be reminded that God is still the God of the rain clouds in America. God is still the God of the rain clouds in our world. So God says, oh, he, said, he prophesied. He's not going to rain till I say. God said, oh, what are you doing, Elijah? This is EHV, okay? Just in case it's not in here, but it's EHV version. You'll have to buy my version. We'll give you a little snippet of it. What are you doing, Elijah? They're going to kill you. Go to the brook. Now, it does say that in a certain way. Go to the brook. And he says, Gabriel... Get some ravens, some birds, the latest roadkill. Don't let it be too old. I don't want him getting sick. I'll have to go. Just till we figure something out, go to the brook, drink water. I'll, I'll bring food to you. 
Now, I don't know how long it takes for water to flow, stop flowing off the mountain in a drought, but I'm going to guess six months. Is that a fair guess? All in favor of it being six months, say aye. All opposed, same side. Eyes have it, motion carried. Six months, he's at the brook. Now, I just say that to give us a point of reference. Six months, he's at the brook. It dries up. God speaks to him and says, Now, I want you to go to Zarephath because I've commanded a widow to sustain you. Now, Luke chapter 4 says there was a lot of widows that lived in Zarephath. Why this widow? He goes to her and says, If you make me a meal first, then that cruise and that oil will not fail till it rains. She's the only one praying for no rain. Everybody else is saying, Oh, Lord, let it rain. She wins for three years. It doesn't rain. And every time she turns that bucket and turns that oil, it pours out. And Elijah never once had to say, give us this day our daily bread. But what was his purpose for being there, living on the top of her house, kosher? But what was the, because the scandal, the news, the headlines, the prophet takes advantage of the poor widow. He's living with her for three years for crying out quiet. What was this all about? EHV says, and some of my background studies, says that this was about a little boy. We're not about the widow. She's the cook. It's about a little lad who was fatherless, an orphan. He needed a daddy. Three years? Well, yeah, if you understand what some of the rabbis think. Some of the rabbis say this little boy was no other than Jonah. And you know what Jonah did? He preached to 120,000 people who turned their lives over to God. Uh, this is a pretty big deal now. Okay, now I can get it. I can't prove that. But it sure makes sense to me that if he's going to live with the widow for three years, there's a bigger reason than just eating food every day. It's that he didn't have to worry about anything except mentoring that little boy, pouring himself. All he knew. And that's what he did. Sometimes in our obscurity, we are the most effective and we have the most important influence. So he makes his way. First Kings chapter 18. I won't read it all. But I'll just kind of give you the highlights because I've got to keep this under two hours. The third year of the drought, he goes, God says, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. He's on his way. There's Mount Carmel. Hey, wait, wait, pause. Let's do another little deal here. Let's let the God that answers by fire be God. Okay, let's do that. He killed 850 prophets. You've read this? If you haven't, go read 1 Kings chapter 18. Phenomenal story. That whole area is wonderful. And so he goes, finally, pray, sends his servant, look over the ridge, and he says, what do you see? And he came back six times, said nothing. Seventh time he came back and said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. He said, tell Ahab it's going to rain. Saddle your horses, and you better get there quick because it's going to rain. Now watch this. The Bible says in verse 46, and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 17 miles, he beats a chariot drawn by two, maybe four horses. God's spirit comes upon him and he beats the king there. Now, why would God put that in scripture? Why would he enable him to beat the king? If for no other reason, it's this. We, you and I, have to get ahead of kings and things. We need to get ahead prophetically of what's going to happen. Not be reactive, not be slow active, not be non-active. We've got to be proactive. And at God's directive, he leaves the widow's place and says, Ahab, it's going to rain. And he outruns him to Jezreel, 17 miles by foot. And he runs smack into Jezebel, Ahab's wife. The next day, he has another run. He runs 100 miles this time away from danger. He's afraid for his life. And it's while he is there by himself, isolated, depressed, 
He's suicidal, he's deluded, and he's alone. But he's alone with God. And it's then when God appoints through him, he says, look, I'm going to transition you. EHV says, I'm going to transition you. And you don't see any other things about, really small stuff about Elijah at this point. He said, I want you to anoint the next generation of political and spiritual leaders. Hazael, king of Aram. Jehu, king of Israel. And Elisha to be your successor. And the only thing he really did was anoint Elisha. Elisha followed him. And Elisha facilitated the anointings. In fact, the, the, the rabbis believe Jonah uh, is the one who anointed Jehu. He's the young prophet that went in and anointed Jehu to be king. And so it's there that God transitioned him. He's 20 years from being raptured by a fiery chariot. Once again, where is Elijah? Because the next thing you read, well, a prophet said this, and Micaiah said that, and another one said or did this. The only thing you hear about Elijah, the great prophet of God, for 20 years, two decades, is he said to Ahaziah, the, the, the son-in-law of Jezebel, he gave him a prophetic word. It was, you're going to die, boy. That's all we hear about Elijah. Hear me. In your obscurity is your most profound. This is the greatest chapters of his life. Because why? He's pouring into his sons. He's pouring into the school of prophets. He's pouring into those guys. He's mentoring Elisha. You don't find a record of him modeling miracles for Elisha. I guarantee you, though, he's mentoring and fathering Elisha, because Elisha performed twice the miracles, as you know, or probably know, it's what the Bible says. Where are the prophetic gifts like Elijah and Elisha, who are foiling the plans and the schemes of the enemy against the church? That's why you and I got to get the message. Some of us didn't get it. We need to get it. Most of us didn't get it. God help us to get this so we get ahead of what's coming. We don't wake up going, oh, wow, what have they done now? Oh, my goodness, what's next? Oh, they've allowed this. They've outlawed that. Now you can't do this. Now you can't say that. Now, we need to get ahead of that so we're proactive. Otherwise, we're victims of the pathetic instead of victors of the prophetic. We should at least sense something in our spirit. Two years ago last month, it was July 27, 2020. This is well before all this stuff erupted. I woke up at 3 in the morning for the only reason guys my age get up at 3. I'm getting back in bed, and I heard these words. If I ever heard God speak to me, I heard him say, If not careful, America will lose her destiny. And I thought, where in the world did that come from? I had a brief vision, don't have time to tell you about. Then I heard the word sudden change. And I prayed through that for days. God, what does this mean? Well, I little did I know we're about to lose our destiny. We're on the brink as a nation of losing our potency. We're, we're being clamped down on the church, the freedom to be able to preach what I've just even said some things about today. That's, all, that's in question amongst the leaders of our day. Other countries are already suffering jail time because of it, pastors. And uh, that, we're not even talking about the Middle East. We're talking about our neighboring north. We're talking about persecution in a different kind of way than we've ever seen or experienced in our country. Look at this. Ukraine, there's another issue there. And, and Russia. Ukraine is the seedbed of evangelism. It is the strongest church in Eastern Europe. It's the evangelistic nation of Eastern Europe. This is not about Putin. I know he wants to gather more of his border stuff and all that. Okay, whatever. This is about the enemy of our souls trying to squelch the revival that God sent into Ukraine and to the other nations. 
Get ahead. We've got to get ahead of these things. We've got fires raging out of control. We've got our Mexican border that's wide open with people that are getting, that dying, thousands of, of our teenagers from this drug called fentanyl. And that's not even to talk about the injustice to the little girls and the women that are being raped and trafficked on the border of our nation. That doesn't even speak about those who die on the way to, to what they perceive to be freedom. And that doesn't even talk about who's here that we don't know who they are. We've got fires raging, literally and figuratively. We have floods and hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, typhoons, crime, anarchy, lawlessness. But here's the deal. It's not our job to fix America. What is our job? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptize, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And I'll be with you always. Now, does America need fixed? Absolutely. Do we have a role? Absolutely. But our focus, our agenda is not fix America. Otherwise, we just become political people. We got to be Jesus people. And when, we put, when Jesus is real in us, <laughs> it's going to change the world. Common sense has been thrown out the window. Look, we still fund 90% of the world's evangelism, so we got purpose. But we're about to lose that. If something doesn't change, we're going to lose that. If not, careful, America will lose her destiny. Common sense has been thrown out the window. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, the New Living Translation says it like this. They see what's right's wrong and wrong's right. Black's white, white's black, bitter sweet, sweet is bitter. Seems to me this is a perfect day for a great awakening. How about you? Where the bootlegger and the drunkard get saved. That, that would have been, that's kind of easy if you look back on it now. But who's our bootlegger today? Well, when the government gives needles to drug users, I guess they become a bootlegger. When the government gives crack pipes, crack pipes for them to smoke their dope, I think that makes the, somebody a bootlegger. So the drunkard and the bootlegger, in context, they need Jesus. We need to help them meet Jesus. This is a really good day for Jesus to show up. Our world, our nation, a man. I started to say a biological man, but it's just a man. Yeah, um, a biological man was, was posted as woman of the year in one of our magazines just this year. We, we are messed up. We are really, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative or mean or ugly toward people who have confusion going on in their world. I get that. Okay? I don't, but I, I'm respectful of that. All I'm saying is... We are in straits that we've never been in before. When Elijah was in charge, I mean, he ran the show. Eli Ahab wasn't in charge. Elijah was. He, did, he never abdicated his authority to the kingdom. He was calling the shots. Who's calling the shots in your life? Who's in charge? Where's the prophetic voice in your world? He wasn't elected. He wasn't voted on. He didn't care if he was popular. All he wanted to do was make God known among the Israelites. And that is our truest accountability. We may not be a prophet over Arkansas or wherever you live, but you can have apostolic and prophetic influence in your sphere. And it's time for Elijah's to rise up, function in God-given authority, and God help us to make Jesus famous. If we're going to walk in the anointing of Elijah, we've got to pray with John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. And until we do that, we'll never walk or flow or speak or live or operate in the authority of Elijah. We've got to die to ourselves, our own will, our carnality, our materialism. We've got to get ahead of kings.
and things. We got to get there first. You heard about the two guys that were out hiking, and behind the bushes they heard the noise of a bear that was foraging for food. They recognized it was a bear, knew they needed to leave the vicinity. One of them starts running, the other gets his backpack, starts putting on his tennis shoes. His friend said, what are you doing putting on your tennis shoes? You can't outrun a bear. He said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. We're not, this is not about outrunning and getting ahead and being first. This is about out strategizing the enemy. It's out planning him. It's being proactive to where that we're not reacting to him. He's reacting to us. How's that for a flip about? Am I right when I say most of the time we're reacting to the devil's ploys? We've got to be those who make him react to us. Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not afraid. We're strategic. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Like Issachar, we understand the times. We know where Israel ought to do, what America ought to do, what your home ought to do. That's who we are. We're discerners. We're knowers. We've got the mind of Christ. We're more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're not running away from anything. We're running to the place of battle. With our world unraveling before our eyes, we have given more credence to the American dream than we have the American church. We've given more credence to the government and its function than we have to the church and its purpose and function on this earth. Proverbs says, when the godly are in authority, people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. How much groaning have you heard or done lately? I am totally for what the laws, the Supreme Court reversed Roe versus Wade. I'm absolutely all about that. I'm for laws that prohibit abortion. But Jesus did not tell governments to save babies. Jesus never assigned the responsibility of the Supreme Court or any other judge or legislative body to be salt and light. Who did he give that to? Me and you. This is a wake-up call. If you look in your right view mirror, the words on there say something like this. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. I want to tell you today, the coming of Jesus is closer than even we might think. Things and Before he comes, besides that, there's, there's agendas going on. We're not stupid to this. There are still agendas going on against our lives. I, I believe that. I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to wake us up to who we are to change and transform the world we live in. But I believe that, that, that appearances can be misleading. If it's closer than it appears, we better wake up and avoid the disaster that's coming our way. Our economy is not as it appears. I've been saying for years, our economy is not, it's not what it's all pointed up to be. 2000 and 2008 predictors of the crash, the guy said that up to 72% of the current economy, uh, stock market, could just be air. I've been saying that kind of thing for years. This, this, the instability economically, the, insta the inflation and all of the things that are happening in our world without laying blame to anybody. Stuff's happening in our world and we need to be influencers of that in a good kind of way. I'm also believing that the coming of Jesus is closer than it appears. I don't want to be harsh to you, but we need the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
So if this book is how you and I are supposed to look, the church is supposed to look, we don't look like the book. In Revelation 3, Jesus said, I wish you was hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And he said, do you think you're rich and increased in goods? You got it all going your way. But I'm telling you, you're naked. You're blind. You're poor. I counsel of you to buy of me gold. Try it in the fire. And those that I love, I chasten, I discipline. I love you. And I'm standing at the door knocking. I'd love to come in and fellowship intimately with you. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Are you listening? He's talking. One verse and I'm done. In Genesis chapter 49, Jacob prophesied to all 12 of his boys. Reuben, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Issachar, Joseph, Benjamin. Probably missed one. But he spoke prophetically to all of them. Look at it in 49 verse 1. He called his sons and said, Gather and I'm going to tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. And he nailed every one of them right on the head. I read that and the pastor I says, Where did that go? You, you hit it today when you're standing right here. That's what we have to do. Is we got to prophesy into the brewers of our world. We've got to speak life into them. We've got to just... We, babies are looking for boundaries. And you, no, no, that's hot. That's, no, that'll get you in hurt. And we bring boundaries to their lives. When they get older, they're still looking, what are my boundaries? That's where we need to be prophetic and say, look, you can do all things through Christ. Your boundaries as, you, as it comes to your assignment in Jesus is limitless. We need to be speaking life into those that are in our sphere. I'm done. Let's pray. God, in Jesus' name, thank you for the unction and the anointing I sense in this room and what you are saying to us and what you're going to continue to say. Because this is a word from heaven, I believe, to us and for us and through us. And it won't die in an altar in a moment of prayer. In fact, we're going to just leave it settled right here. We're going to let it simmer. We're going to let it marinate. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that it just sits here in our spirit in the days and weeks and months to come. We must be carriers of the prophetic. We must declare the future of the kingdom of God, what it is, what it looks like, what it's supposed to be based on what we know about your word or what we're going to learn about your word as we apply ourselves. We also ask you to use us to be prophetic. That we see things that the others, others can't see or don't know. For the purpose, God, of forecasting and beating things to the punch. Getting there first. Foiling the plans of the enemy. Stopping things from happening. That's our greatest need right now. Is to stop this, this, this landslide that's going the wrong direction for our morals. And for the ethics and the honesty and integrity of this nation. Would you arrest us? And God, would you send a mighty outpouring of your spirit? And would you do in us what no other entity can do? Would you stir us? Would you challenge us? Would you change us today? And I just leave that right here, Lord, and allow you to work it into us. And speak it into us. And work it out through us. In Jesus' name. For those who need to know Jesus, draw them. Bring them close. And let them meet somebody. or Well, just let them meet you. If they need help, we're here. But I pray, God, we all become knowers of the kingdom purposes that we're here for. I speak these things and bless this house and the leadership of it in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for letting me be with you today. God bless you.